Thank you, James. Just as I was thinking about um, this being, it's not our last Sunday, hopefully. Um, we, we, would, we will miss you all, and we are planning to come back. Um, it's just a, a hiatus for a little while. Um, but just as I was in the service this morning, early on, I felt a scripture impressed on my heart. Joey, do you might recognize this one? And I wanted to read this this morning. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. My bookmark's in it. That's the one I was going to read. And I need to read this for us because I think this is us today. And this is my prayer for us today. So I'm going to put us in this instead of you. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower us, all of us, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. Our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May we experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. May that be true in all of our lives. Uh, over the next few months, yes, but today and every day that comes, may we know him more and more. I'm going to introduce to you uh, Phil, who's coming to preach. And uh, you're going to be blessed today because he's come all the way to us from Cambridge. And uh, I joked with him that you may detect a slight Cambridge accent as he comes to speak. Um, because, you know, it's, it's the far north, isn't it, Cambridge from here. So um, you'll see what happens when he comes up. But he's a great guy. And uh, I know he's a man who's passionate to hear from God and to deliver God's words and also see people breaking through into, their, into freedom in God, into seeing the Spirit of God move. And so can you welcome him as he comes? And let's welcome Phil. Well, thank you very much. Wow, it's so good to be here with you today. Who's excited to be at church? Come on, should we try that again? Who's excited to be at church today? Praise God. I'm so glad to be here. Do you know the last time I was in this building was 18 years ago? And so if you're thinking I've never been here before, I was here 18 years ago. I just uh, got saved, came back to Jesus. I've been backslidden. How many of us sometimes we've wandered away from the Lord and we realize he's the best thing? Taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I returned back to the Lord and came here. I was on holiday down here and visited here 18 years ago. I heard Colin, uh, is it Blackman? Is that his surname? And I met his dear wife earlier on today. And it was just a, a blessing to see her again. But I even remember the song that I sung 18 years ago in the church here. So that's the kind of memory I've got. So be careful what you do today. Um, but 18 years ago, I remember singing the song, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. It's an old classic song. But I want to just encourage you today that the same God that we sing about in that song, he's still present, he's still doing great things in this church. It's wonderful to see. It's so different in here as well. And uh, the decoration, everything you've done. Uh, but God is doing something special. Do you believe that? Are you encouraged by that? And do you know he's got greater things for you as a church as well? And individually. And so you're probably wondering who I am. You're probably thinking I, I don't have a Cambridge accent. Um, I'm from a little bit further up north near Rotherham, Sheffield area. And, uh, and I traveled down to Cambridge in 1997 uh, to study there. I always tell people I studied at Cambridge. I just don't tell them it's not Cambridge University. I just the Anglia Polytechnic just down the road. But it seems to do me well if I mention Cambridge. Uh, but I moved there in 97 to study a degree, uh, three years uh, doing graphic design and began that. 
And uh, how many of you know that when you begin and plans of your own heart, that sometimes God changes that? And uh, God changed everything that I was doing. I was working for 13 years in the professional industry in graphic design and media. And then God decided to pull me out of all that. And, uh, and I became the pastor of the church that I attended and got saved in. And uh, so I'm now leading Assemblies of God at King's Church in Cambridge. And it's an awesome privilege to be there. And, uh, but it's great to be here today. I love to go and preach around and just to share God's Word with you. And I really believe... God has got something special for you today. Do you believe that in your hearts? You know that we've got to, we have to have hearts that are receptive and good soil to receive what God wants to say. And uh, you know, the enemy loves to snatch seed. And so I'm going to pray in just a moment, then I'm going to bring the Word of God, and I want to pray for some people later. And I believe God, I know God will speak today. You know, He's always speaking. We don't have to ask Him whether He's going to speak. He will speak. God will heal today. If people have got pain in your body, God's going to touch bodies today. I'm telling you, because God does that. If you read your Bible and you'll see He does that. We don't have to ask Him. He wants to do it. Amen? So we're going to just pray and then I'm going to bring the Word. So Father, we want to thank you. Come on, join me in this. Father, we thank you today for your precious Word. Lord, we pray today that you will just plant something deep within our hearts that, Lord, we would hear what you have to say. Lord, help me to articulate it. Help me to say what you want to say into your people. And, Father, we just ask that your voice would speak deep into our hearts. Challenges, Lord, changes. May we leave here different to the way we came in. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to read from the book of Haggai, Haggai chapter 2. It should come up on the screen here. I'm reading from the NIV uh, version. And uh, so you follow me if you can, and try in your, in your other versions. But Haggai chapter 2 uh, and verse 1 through to 9, it says this, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong. Say, be strong. Be strong. Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jezadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. We want some of that, don't we? Who wants God's glory in our lives? Come on. We don't need another meeting. We need God's glory. Amen? We need His presence says the Lord Almighty. Verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than that glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Amen. When these verses we just read from prophet Haggai, bringing the word of the Lord previously in Haggai chapter 1, uh, we know that Haggai has brought this word to, to call the people to rebuild the temple. And uh, they, build, they start building the temple, they start the work on the temple. But we see here by Haggai chapter 2, which we've just read, that Haggai has to come back, the prophet has to come back and bring another word because the people are getting a little bit tired. 
the people are getting a little bit worn out. Do you sometimes feel a little bit worn out doing the Lord's work? How many of you know that we're going to get a new body one day, but the body we've got now, sometimes it's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? And we, we have to keep working hard for the Lord. And these people, they had began the work of the temple. And they knew 66 years previously, they knew the glory of the latter house, the Solomon's temple that used to be there that was destroyed. Now they had to rebuild the temple. And some of them got a little bit worn out. They realized that actually uh, this temple uh, doesn't look much different. It's not going to be as good as what we've seen before. But then we know that God speaks through Haggai to encourage them to rebuild again, to keep on doing the work, saying, you know, be strong. I'm with you. The Spirit of the Lord remains among you because he wants them to understand that the temple of the future is not going to be a temple that's, that's, that's in contrast of beauty of the past, but it would be that in 500 years from then, the very Jesus of Nazareth would walk into the temple courts and would be present. How many of you know that we serve a God today of a new covenant? How many of you know today that Jesus, when he's present in a room, he's the only thing that you need? Come on, do you believe that today? Come on, church. We've got to wake up to this. We've got to realize that when Jesus is present, the Bible says that when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And one thing I know is that I build church and I'm working with many people to build a great church in Cambridge, but I could do great things. I could have great buildings. I could have all the great things we have, but ultimately we need the presence of Jesus Christ. It has to be the very center, the cornerstone of what we believe. So that when someone walks in, they don't just say, I like the projection, I like the, the carpet, I like everything you've got, I love the coffee. I love the presence of Jesus. The Bible says that we're salt and light. We should be different from the world. Come on. I've come to Listen, if, I can, if, if all I have to do is to replicate what the world has, that's easy. Come on, we've all been, I've been in the world. We can replicate what the world does, but that is the easy task. What we're called to do is be salt and light. What we're called to be is different, so that when people come in, they say, God is really among you. Come on, that, that never is old-fashioned. Do you know the presence of God's not old-fashioned? People say, you know, we're in, we've got to adapt to the culture. You don't have to adapt to any culture. You've just got to release the presence of God. People love it. Come on, why? Because he's your creator. He's your creator, he's your designer. If he's our designer, we want to know our designer. We want to know the one who made us, who had the thought to even create us. How could it be boring to have his presence? Wow, I've already gone off my notes. And, by the way, today, it's the first time I've come and preached anywhere. I forgot my own iPad and I've borrowed Stuart's iPad. So the anointing's all over this. <laughs> I'm expecting great things, Stuart. The previous month, a word comes in season for them to rebuild the temple, but they get tired. We all get tired sometimes. Listen, I don't, I, I, we've got to be honest with each other and understand that we're not here to try and put some kind of holy jewel that we're great. And Listen, sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I struggle with leading and doing all the things I do for church. But one thing I know is that God's grace, we've sung about it today, God's grace is empowerment. A lot of people don't talk about the empowerment of grace. We, we understand that God's grace forgives us. His mercy forgives us. We receive salvation. But let me tell you, God's grace is empowerment to run the race that you've been called for. 
And what, what Haggai is bringing here is saying, you know, you've got to keep on going. You've got to keep on building. And that is a word for you today, I believe, just to start out by saying this, because one of your series that I know you're doing is the Hallmark series. And if you want to wrap this up into that Hallmark series, you can, because I really believe that one thing is sure, that when God speaks over a place, when God has a purpose and a plan for a place, the Bible says many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. So you can have as many plans as you want, but let me tell you something. Whatever happens, this church, God is going to do something amazing. Some of you might be saying today, do you know what? I feel like leaving this church. I'm not so sure at the moment. Listen, never quit on a church. You'll never find a perfect church. Don't quit. If, you, if you're getting tired of this place, and, you, and, and even sometimes the leaders are not doing things that you want them to do, can I just say this? Now's the time to work even harder for them, to serve them even harder. Because I can never be perfect for anyone as a leader. But one thing I know is that this is not about being perfect. How many of you know we're all imperfect? We're all imperfect. God is working in our lives all the time. So I want to encourage you today. If you're finding things tough, now's the time to serve even harder. Now's the time to say, do you know what? I'm going to lay my life down for this church. Because I believe God is going to do something special. The key verse here is verse 3, which we read. And that is, who of you is left who saw this house in the former glory. And he says this, the prophet Haggai, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Does it not seem like there's absolutely nothing happening at the moment? It's just we're not getting to where we want to be. But now be strong. But now be strong. It's so opposite. It, 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 sometimes in our lives, we look around and we think and we feel like there's absolutely nothing happening in our lives. Can I, can I just say to you, your Christianity, get this clear today, your Christianity is not based on feelings. The Bible does not talk about you basing your life on feelings. It's by faith. By faith. I can have the worst day ever, but God still remains the same. He still remains the same. His word never changes. Hallelujah. I'm so glad about that. If it's based on feelings, then i got problems. Because my feelings and my emotions fluctuate all the time. I don't know about you. But if my feelings and emotions fluctuate, then my faith is going to fluctuate. But we've got to understand that it's by faith that we believe. So sometimes in our lives... We might be struggling. We might say, do you know what? It seems like nothing right now. God's not really doing what I want him to do. That word that came when he said to build and to keep going, is God really doing anything? It seems like nothing. But God says, but now be strong. He says to them, my spirit remains among you. Come on. If you're feeling low today, there's one thing for sure is to know is God's spirit remains among you. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Come on. Do we get this sometimes? That means I, I meet people on the streets all the time and I tell them this. I say, if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, do you know that you're saved, forgiven? But the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from a grave, the grave you've been singing about today, will come and make his home on the inside of you. Wow. Come on, who, that's enough to get excited and have a coffee and go home and just rejoice all week. But some of us are acting like, I don't know if the Spirit of God's inside of me. Listen, He is. The Word of God tells you that. 
We don't live by trying to be good. We receive grace. But let me tell you, we've got to bring holiness back into the church. And holiness comes. Holiness comes from the desire. By grace, when we meet our Father, we say, I don't want to sin. I don't want to do them things. The Bible says this. It says, he rescues our life from the pit. And he satisfies our desires with good things. Listen, if you're living a life of sin and you're doing all these things and you're saying, but God, I can do this because your grace is so much. Listen, that is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible for us is that we should live a clean life. We should desire to be holy. That comes through grace. It's not about trying to impress God. You're saved. But a desire to live into his standards is what we're trying to achieve. Amen? Praise God. You know, when I joined the church in, uh, in, in, in Kings in Cambridge in 2013, I was, I was, I'd already been there a number of years. 2002 is when I began to go to that church. And I was serving on teams. I started out playing the drums. Then I moved into worship leading. I did kids work. I've done all the, all the different parts of the church. And I worked through the church. I was an elder. And then eventually, uh, in 2013, the pastor came to me and said, I'm leaving. Will you take the church? I'd never been to Bible college. I'd not done anything. Let me tell you one thing. You don't need to go to Bible college to be able to do what God wants you to do. Now, I'm not knocking Bible college because now I wish I'd gone to Bible college because I wish I had more knowledge. But one thing I know is this, that God called me out. And when God calls you, he anoints what he appoints. Hallelujah. 2013. The pastor says, will you take hold of the church? I've never, I only preach two to three times a year. My confidence in preaching, I'm thinking, my biggest fear is this. How am I going to preach every week? I'm not worried about everything else. The coffee, that's easy. We get someone doing the coffee, we get someone doing that. But to preach every week. And so I'm like, how can I do this, Lord? And the Lord said, you'll be fine. And I trusted God. And so I decided to leave a, a fantastic career that I'd, I'd, I'd led into. Walked out of that and went into this job. And uh, the first week I preached in the church, the first week the pastor leaves, I'm, I'm on my own preaching. In the middle of the service downstairs in our cafe, I found out after the service a gentleman had a stroke, a major stroke. It caused one side of his body to be completely inactive. He lost eyesight in his right eye. And by the end of the service, he was in hospital, and they, they found that this problem had just completely cut one side of his body off. By the following week, seven days later, this blood clot on his brain had caused him to not be able to even brush his teeth or read. He couldn't read anymore. This is the first week I preached. It wasn't a great start. Seven days later, they brought him in to the church. And they sat him there, and, I, and at the beginning of the service, I thought, I'll do the courteous thing as the pastor. I'm the new pastor. I'll go over and pray for him. And I've got to tell you something, I didn't have a faith to, for healing because I never operated in healing, I'd operated in the prophetic. And I walked across to this gentleman and I felt the Lord say this to me, when you pray for him, put your hand over his eye and command his eyesight to return. So I walked over to, the, to this side of the church and I, I went over to him and I said, I'm really sorry to hear what happened, but I'd love to pray for you, can I pray? And he told me what the problem was and I put my hand over his eye. I commanded his eye to open, I couldn't believe what was coming out of my mouth. I took my hand away, and I was as shocked as you probably are. God healed him instantly. Instantly. His eyesight returned instantly. Completely on one side. The next thing, they bring him a Bible, and he starts to read. 
The hospital had told him that you, if you ever read again, you're going to be looking at 14 to 18 months of, 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 of doing some exercises to try and read. That morning, he couldn't even brush his teeth. By evening, he was completely healed. We sent him back. Because by the way, if you get healings in your church, it's always good to get doctors to confirm it. Come on, we can't start going around saying someone's got healed if they haven't got healed. So I like people to, the professionals to tell me what's going on. I'm not a doctor. And so I sent them back. I said, come back next week. And if you tell me what they say, 14 days later, it's back on the next Sunday after, they come back. He walks in with the report and says, I'm fully discharged. They've done a scan. Can't even find the scarring on the brain. We got him up. He's rejoicing today. He's still completely healed. Completely healed. Now, when that happened is, God does these kind of things, not for us to have a show, but he does that to show me that I'm with you. My presence remains among you. And even though you feel like you're struggling, if you rely on me, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And so I began my journey that first week realizing that God is with me. And within weeks after that, I was in a prayer meeting after that healing. And when I was in this prayer meeting, God spoke to me in that prayer meeting and said, you've seen my glory in the house. You've seen miracles. Now go out and preach on the streets. Tell people about me and pray for the sick. I'd been attending that church for 13 years, never witnessed to anyone and didn't have any interest in doing any evangelism. So if anyone here today is thinking, I'm going to shut off right now because that's not my, my thing. Can I just say the Bible says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Come on, we're all evangelists. Whatever you see that as, you can be an evangelist in any, lots of different contexts. But can I just say, this is for everyone to hear, because the Bible calls you to, to tell people the good news. Come on, we can't, we can't hide this under, under a bushel. We've got to tell people what Jesus has done in our lives. When you do, you'll see signs and wonders. So the Lord spoke to me, and I'm like, I've got to train people up in evangelism, and I haven't even been on the streets myself. I started a seven-week course on evangelism. To tell people we're going to go to the streets, they said, well, have you done this before? I said, I've never done it before, but we're still going to go. So I started a seven-week, and what I did is I went in the pastor's office, went in his cupboard. I thought, where can I get some information on evangelism? I rooted through all his information. I found Reinhard Bonnke's DVDs. I'm like, if there's anyone good at evangelism, it's Reinhard Bonnke. We'll have his DVD. We'll stick that on seven weeks. At the end, I'm going to go out. We did. We got to the end of the seven weeks. We hit the streets. I was more scared than they were. Do you know what? That happened in 2013. We've not stopped since. We've been going out to the street. I've been seeing miracle after miracle, healing after healing. I've seen Muslims get healed. I've seen Muslims get saved in my church. Why? Because I decided that actually what God is doing, it's not about me building something. His spirit is, remains among us, and he wants to do awesome stuff. Jesus says you'll do greater works than I'm going to do because I'm going to the Father. And he's not talking about quantities, talking about greater in terms of greater exploits. What you will do for him. Hallelujah. Where am I? I want to just say to you today that what God says to you, maybe some of you got saved many years ago. Maybe some of you are in this church or you are serving this church. Maybe as you lead this church, I want to encourage you that what God has said over this house, his word remains. You're talking about hallmarks? I'm let me tell you something, that what God says over you and your life, when a word in season comes, like Haggai says, you've got to build this temple, God's word never fails. It never fails. It will get through. A word will go through all seasons. Do you know that? 
A word in season will have the ability to go through all seasons of your life. The title of this message is the now word. When we receive the now word. What is God saying to us today? What has God said already but we're not starting to think, I don't know if I can believe what God is saying. If you look in the, in the story of Luke chapter 3, you'll see that Jesus an amazing thing happens. He goes into the Jordan River and he's baptized in the Jordan. I call it Jesus' selfie moment because if I was in that moment and the Father said over me, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, I'd be like, I need to this moment on Instagram. I need this moment on Twitter because this is just my amazing moment. In fact, Jesus has not even done anything, but yet he gets that. And so he's in the ri- Come on, some of you right now, Two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, you felt God speak to you. You you thought God had said something over your life and and he did. And he promised you what I'm going to do in the future. And you said, oh, this is amazing. This is just so good. I, I was in that conference. I received a word. God said this so big over my life. And now you're beginning to question it because the work gets harder. But listen, the work does not change the word. He's in the Jordan. Do you know the next thing that happens? It's not what I want to happen. But then he's led into the desert. He's led into the wilderness. Poor Jesus is led from a moment of of this acclamation into the desert. And then he's there for 40 days of testing. How many of you know that God, when he says a word of our lives, do you know what he'll do? He'll test it. He will test the word. Do you know what it says in the book of Job, chapter 1? God speaks to Satan and says this. He says about Job, he says, there is no one, this is the word he says, there's no one on earth like him. Wow, I'd love God to say that about me. There's no one on earth like that, Phil. He says, there's no one on earth like this, this, this person, Job. What happens next? He's tested. He's tested. He allows Satan to test him. And Job says this, Job 23.10, he says this, When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Come on. Some of you today, you're being tested through the fires and the trials of life. The word is trying to be burnt. It's trying to be destroyed in you. The devil in the wilderness is trying to destroy what God has said, the Father has said over Jesus. And he's trying to do it over your life. Do you know the Bible says this, that the the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I've come to give life abundantly. I thank God that even though the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, I thank God that my Bible says this, that Jesus, the very purpose he came was to destroy the devil's work. Do you believe that today? We have a greater one in authority that lives inside of us. And whatever's coming against you right now, what I've come to learn is this, because we've all had trials and problems. Come on. We're all going through some battles. But one thing I've learned is this, that he remains. He remains the same. His word never changes. And now word from God, number one, will always supersede your present perceptions of what's going on. It will always supersede your present perceptions. Perceptions, Haggai says, through God speaking through him, does it not seem to you like nothing? Listen, some things seem like nothing. That doesn't mean they're nothing. Some things seem like nothing, but that doesn't mean they're nothing. 
Do you know what it says about Jesus? He steps into the desert for 40 days of test. This is what it says. Luke chapter 4 verse 2 says this. For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing. Nothing. Nothing during those days. And at the end of them, I like this, he was hungry. I'm sure he was. <laughs> no guesses there. Of course he's going to be hungry. But he had nothing to eat. 40 days at the end, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answers, man shall not live on bread alone. So he goes into this 40 days of test. He goes into this test and it says that he has, he has nothing. But can I say, Jesus did not have nothing. He had everything because he had the word of God. And what you've got to understand is when it seems like you have nothing, you have everything. Because God, Jesus, realized that when the devil tempted him, he said, I don't need to live on the bread that you're trying to get me to turn in these stones. I, I live off the bread that my Father gives me. Come on. John chapter 4, when Jesus is at the well with the Samaritan woman, do you know what he says? When all the guys come back, they've all gone down to McDonald's to get some food because they're hungry. But Jesus is like, I want to do the work of the Lord. And they all return back to the well. They come back and they say, oh, you know, he's talking to a woman. They're surprised to see him talking to a woman. And he says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. The King James Version says, my meat. Come on, some of us have got to start. When the trials and tests come against your life, do you know what happens? You'll go from milk to meat. God wants to take you from milk to meat. That's what he does. So you, you, that's why the Bible says, count it all joy when you've got some trials going on. I'm like, count it all joy. It's the last thing I want to do. That's not what the world tells you to do. The world tells you to avoid trouble. You've got to feel good. We ain't got to feel good. We've got to trust God. Trust Him. When you feel like it seems like nothing, you have the Word of God. It will supersede your present perceptions. You know, I was traveling out to uh, Pakistan Last year, I was asked to go on a mission to Pakistan. The Lord had spoke a word over me previous year and said, you're going to go into dark Islamic nations, preach the gospel. Within a year, someone invites me to go to Pakistan and to preach the gospel. I was preaching in underground churches. One night, 500 people in a church. None of this was advertised on Facebook. None of it was advertised anywhere. It was all word of mouth to keep it secret so that the Taliban wouldn't find out. And I went to that night, the welcome team on the door, talk about welcome, we, we give welcome with a free coffee, come in. I, I was greeted by a man with an AK-47. Walked inside, preached the gospel with three other AK-47 guys, stood there. I was told afterwards that if the Taliban come in, they've, they've got an escape plan for you. I went to Pakistan, preached the word of God, but on the travel out there, I realized that God fulfills his word that he, when he says something, he, he's going to do it. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't get fearful because I knew, you know, this is what God is doing in my life. He said he was going to do it. So I'm not going to let the, the perceptions of what's happening in this nation destroy what God says he's going to do. If I have to die here, I die here. But the, the Bible says it's appointed to every man to die. So come on, stop, stop worrying about when you're going to die. You're all going to die. Everyone's like, God's unfair. He's, he's let someone die. No, the Bible tells you you're all going to die. So just live with it. Till you die. Then it says you'll all face judgment. So make sure you're ready with the Lord. 
People tell me all the time on the street, say, ah, it's unfair that God would allow a, a child to die. It is. It seems unfair. But I'm thankful that God has eternity in his hands. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he set eternity in your hearts. Come on. I don't live for today. I live for eternity. Praise God. We get worried about such little things when we serve a God who's eternal. And I realized when I traveled over to Pakistan, I was traveling over there on the flight. And one of the flights that we went on was a quite a posh flight that they put me on. Never been on a flight like this before. They've got all the TV screens showing all, the, all what's happening. The runway underneath and where the plane's landing. You know, the altitude. You've seen them planes. You know, it's not the normal one. You've got a TV screen on the back of the chair and telling you, when you how far you are, where you're going to land and all these things. Video cameras showing when the, the, the runway's coming down. And you're going to land. And do you know what? Some of us are like this. What happens is when God says a word, you want to be like that. You want to have all the cameras seeing everything. You want to know the altitude. You want to know where you are, what's happening. When am I going to land? How am I going to land? Is there enough? Is there any turbulence? Why is there turbulence? What's happening? Listen to me. God did not call you to be a pilot. He called you to trust him. He's got to sit there sometimes when that turbulence is going off and you're thinking, is this, is this someone actually... Flying this thing. And that's what happens. Turbulence comes in life. Trouble comes in life. And you've got to trust the pilot. You've got to trust the one who has the world in his hands. Come on, I used to sing that song when I was at Sunday school. He's got the whole world in his hands. Do you believe that? His word never fails. His now word will never, ever fail. Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Hallelujah. Praise God. In our empty seasons, when we feel like we have absolutely nothing, God is always directing things. Do you know that? He's directing things over every one of your lives right now, and you don't even see it. Behind the scenes, he's directing things. He is in charge. The words never fail. 1 Kings 17, you see this. Elijah, he's directed to get down to the brook and hide there. God then directs ravens to feed him. Listen, come on, some of you right now are worried, thinking, is God going to provide for me this week? Is, is what God said over my life? If God can direct a bird to fly to a brook, oh, how much more can he do over your life? And then it says that when the brook dried up, he left because now he's going to direct a widow. He's even directing the next provision. He directs the widow. She's walking up there with the sticks. And, 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 and God is directing these things. God is always directing things. Jonah, he's still, Jonah runs away from God, but yet God provides a fish. God provides a plant. Then he provides a worm to eat the plant. He's providing things and directing things all the time. You want to thank God you can breathe today. Oh, he's not really working in my life. Yes, he is. You want to check out some of them worms he's got eating your plants to make you trust him more. Oh, he's, I can't believe he let that happen to me. Come on, the worm's just as important as the plant sometimes. Oh, it's not. It's, it, the worm must be the devil. You've got to stop fighting the devil. You weren't called to fight the devil. P people, sometimes I meet Christians, and all they're doing is they seem to be fighting Satan all the time. God didn't call you to fight him. He was finished on the cross through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, start living in that knowledge and that, that understanding that it's not you who has to fight those battles. 
Come on, let's stop. Some people, they're like this spiritual, what we gotta, we got to keep off Satan. You don't have to keep him off. You just tell him. The Bible tells you to do one thing, resist the devil and he'll flee. Do you know what you need to be? If you're in an electronic circuit, you need to be a resistor. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, so just be a good, be a good resistor. If you're a good resistor, then the devil can't destroy what he wants to destroy. Oh, but no, I've got to be a fighter. I understand, spirit, I understand prayer and intercession, don't get me wrong, but I have to, we have to understand that, that Jesus has done a great work, and sometimes we, un, we, we forget that, and the devil loves it when we forget it. He's got us right where he wants us. We want to know what is happening around us. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. He says this, Nehemiah says, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. In other words, he goes, he inspects the walls that have been broken to repair the work that God, this plan of building again. Imagine seeing all these walls broken thinking, is God really in this? <laughs> he inspects it, but he says, I didn't tell anyone what God had said in here. You know, it seems so extravagant to think God was doing something that time. It looked like nothing. But he inspects and he protects that word. Sometimes you've got to protect the word that God plants in you. And when we do, we understand that by protecting it, God will work through us. Have you noticed that in that story of Nehemiah, that halfway up building, do you know what? The devil always comes in halfway through stuff. Why? Because he knows it's that halfway point where you might quit. If he can get in halfway, you're always at 50-50, which way do I go? Do I carry on with this? Is it worth doing? Do I quit? And he comes in, the, the devil, and they get taunts to stop building. But I thank God that they carried on with weapons in their hand and tools in the other. And they carried on building to see what God wants to do. That's what he wants to do over your life. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. it says that Moses persevered by the one who was, who was invisible. He didn't see God. He couldn't see. He, he persevered. Sometimes you can't see what God is doing, but you have to persevere. You have to persevere. Number two, a now word from God will always, always be sustained by God's power. If God said it, then he has the power to make it happen. He has the power to achieve it in your life. Come on. Haggai 2 verse 4 says, be strong, Joshua, son of Jezadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. I'm with you. I am with you. That is the word of the Lord today to some of you people in here. I am with you. Whether it feels like it or not, I am with you. Oh, but you don't understand. I'm, I ain't got the energy anymore to carry on. Do you know, I, I feel even today, there, there are some people in this room, you feel like quitting. You feel like giving up on God feel like giving up on being in the church. You feel like quitting and saying, do you know what, I, I just can't do this anymore. I, I feel like quitting on my marriage. I can't, I can't do this anymore because it's just not working. I've prayed God and I've tried, but this relationship's not working. I've tried with my finances. I've tried all these things. And some of you feel like quitting today. But can I say to you, when you get halfway through, it's the time when God is about to test his power in your life. In John chapter 6, you read the story, Jesus just, he's fed 5,000 people by multiplying a little bit of bread and fish. And he feeds everyone, plus women and children, 
And the, the disciples witnessed this. You imagine, right, if you've witnessed Jesus do that, you're like, do you know what? I was doubting God, but now Jesus, come on. I'm hanging around with you all the time. I know that nothing is impossible for those who love God. Come on, let's, let's just carry on here. I'm going to believe Jesus now. I've seen him do this. And then it says that straight after that miracle, they get into a boat and Jesus says, he goes off to a solitary place to pray and he puts them in a boat and sends them off to the other side. He says, I'll, I'll be there at the other side. The other gospels said that. It's John chapter 6 that uh, we see that he put them in this boat, but the, the other gospels said that he says, I'll see you at the other side. And so they set off on this journey. It's about, I don't know, seven miles. Don't quote me, you theologians, on that. But seven miles across to the other side. Three and a half miles in, they're halfway across. They start to struggle because a wind kicks up. The wind is against them. It's dark. Jesus was not yet with them. But we see in the other gospels, we know that Jesus appears then. And some of them think he's a ghost. And he appears on the water. That's where Peter decides to step out of the boat and say, Jesus, if it's you, call me and I'll come. I love Peter. He steps out of the boat and he walks to him. Do you know what it says in these verses? That it says that then they let Jesus back into the boat. Do you know some of us talk so many times about preaching, about stepping out of the boat. You've got to understand that you've got to let Jesus into your boat. Stop talking about stepping out and doing great things for Jesus. If you ain't letting him into the structure of your life, you ain't going to see anything happen. Oh, but Jesus can't come in my boat. I've got it all set up how I want it. I'll step out on the water and say, Jesus, come come on, do this, do that. Jesus is like, will you just let me in your life? Come on. And so they say, when they let Jesus into the boat, you know, when I, I've struggled, I, I used to do cycling, and I, I cycled once and I got halfway on a journey, the wind was against me. If you're a cyclist and you, you ride against the wind, you feel like quitting because you put the same energy in, but you don't get anywhere. And I realized what it must have been like for them that they get to this halfway point, they're struggling against the wind and the waves and you think, do you know what would be easier? If we spin the boat around, we're halfway across, same distance, but the wind will be behind us. So let it take us back to where Jesus is because we like Jesus. But do you know something? Jesus said you're going to the other side. He didn't say get across and if it's a struggle, come back to me. He said, keep going. His word, his word of proclamation has power, more power than the demonstration that they'd seen before. They have to keep believing even in that time of pressure. And do you know what the Bible says in, in John chapter 6? He says, as soon as Jesus gets into the boat, listen to me now and I want you to ask me and, and, and tell me what you think this word means. But it says immediately, 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 immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Hang on a sec. Immedi what's immediately mean? Come on, you theologians. Immediately means immediately. Straight away. Three and a half miles straight away. I'll tell you why. Because when you let Jesus in the struggle, you'll get three and a half miles immediately. Supernaturally. What he's looking is, will you quit when it's so hard? Or will you let me in then? When you let me in, you'll see what I can do. Because the next part of the ride is going to be so much easier. Oh, but Jesus, you don't understand. No, you've got to let him in. Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Hallelujah. When you row, when you're rowing hard, and it's these times when things are against you, do you know what the devil's trying to do? Let me tell you what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to disrupt your rhythm. 
What do you mean? He's trying to disrupt, disrupt your rhythm of the row. If he can get to disrupt your rhythm, you will quit. You know this, that Galatians chapter 5 says that we should keep in step with the Spirit. My granddad used to sing a song all the time, keep in step all the time. You've got to keep in step in the rhythm with the Spirit of God that's inside of you. Whatever's happening around you, keep rowing. Keep in the rhythm. If you keep in the rhythm, you will not fail because it's God's Word that is sustaining you. You know those Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they're about to face a fiery furnace. They're standing in front and, and, and we know that that king wants them to bow down to this, this golden idol. He wants them to bow down. He says, when the music plays, they have to bow. They have to change their rhythm. But do you know what they do? They say, no, we're not changing the rhythm. Your music's not going to change our rhythm. And they decide to stand for God. Then they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And do you know what I love about that story? It says that we're thrown in, but yet they walked around, even though they were sent in bound. If you, if you trust God, you'll still keep the rhythm in the fire. They were thrown in bound, but yet they walked around with the fourth man. Keep pressing through. He will sustain it by his power. Finally, and now word from God will always signal a greater promise. This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 6. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. God reminds them of the greater to come. Can I just say that what God is going to do in the next season of your life, he's got greater things in store for you. Oh, but I don't know. It's, it feels bad. Listen to me. You can just get this right now. Jesus is in the desert. And we talked about it earlier. He goes in. So he starts off with an acclamation. He starts off, God the Father speaks over him. He goes into the desert. 40 days of testing. The devil's trying to disrupt his rhythm. He's trying to disrupt him so that he quits. He's trying to disrupt everything that he's doing. But listen to this. Jesus knows, because Jesus knew things about the future, he knows that if I can get through 40 days of testing, relying on the word, the seed that is in me, if I can walk through 40 days of testing, I know that one day I am going to stand in the synagogue, Luke chapter 4, I'm going to stand in the synagogue after this, this scene. And when I stand in the synagogue, I'm going to read Isaiah. And when I read Isaiah, the Old Testament, and all of those people are listening, at the end of that reading, if I stay true and remain all 40 days, I will be able to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Listen to me very, very clearly. The devil over your life wants you to quit and give up on what God said. Why? Because if you can try and do that in all those 40 days of testing Jesus' life, just so Jesus can't say today. And he wants to do that over your life. He's got a plan. Do you know what it says? That when Jesus went into the synagogue, it says the, the scroll was handed to him. Do you know something? 
when God will do things in your life, it's always handed to you. It's never snatched. It's never snatched. Do you know what the devil's trying to do in 40 days? Get him to snatch stuff early. You serve me, you worship me, you'll have all the kingdom. Look at it. Look at everything you can have. Why? Because in transitional moments, because that's what it was, a transitional moment, weak spots, wilderness areas, that's when the devil will come in and try and get you to take something and snatch it before Jesus gives it to you. Jesus stood that test of time to have the scroll handed to him to be able to say that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I want to say today that it signals a greater promise in our lives. I've realized that as I come to close, I realized that in our lives in the church, when I set out and I, and I saw that miracle happen and I pressed on through and listen to me, I have had in the last two years some of the most destructive things in my life, some of the most things that have tried to knock me off. You, you want to talk to me about problems? I've had problems. I've had stuff come against me, the heat of the fire. As I've served the Lord, I gave up all my career. And, and this is not to put you off, but let me tell you, the devil has tried to come against me. He's tried to get me to stop walking this walk and quit the whole ministry. I know what it is to have a fire. I know what it is to have a test. But do you know what I kept doing? Saying, God, you said it. I believe it. And I'm going for it because I know that you're going to do even greater works than this. I've seen the Muslims get saved. I've had Muslims come into my office and tell me to stop preaching about Jesus on the streets. But I turned around to them and said, no, no one tells me not to, to preach about Jesus. When everything comes against me, I said, no, I'm holding on to what Jesus says. And let me tell you, I'm going to see greater stuff. You will. I'm here today to tell you that the word in season, what you've had spoken over you, is still will come to pass. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Some of us now, the, the God is calling you to the battle lines. Young David, when he went to the battle lines and he went to fight Goliath, do you know what? He was only sent. He was only sent to take the cheese and the bread. He's only sent to do that. Jesse said, go on, take this cheese and bread. Go up there to the, to the supply tent. He gets the supply tent. And if you like David and we want to be a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart, we want to get down to the battle lines, don't we? The tent's not enough for me. I want to get down. I want to push further. I want to push further. And I want to see, God, what you're going to do in my life. When even there's an adversity of a giant speaking, I'm going to get to the battle lines. Even all the brothers, everyone around were trying to say, yeah, this, is, this is not the place for you. Come on, leave. No, no, this is the place for me. And he pushes through. Whatever you need to do now, you need to push through. Because let me tell you something. Do you know what his dad, Jesse, said to him? He says, go out there, see how your brothers are. And he says this, bring back some assurance. Bring back some assurance. That's all he wanted. He just wanted a, a news report. Can I have a news report? Because there ain't no newspapers around here. I want a news report of how my boys are getting on. Bring back some assurance. Do you know what he brought back? Goliath's head. Imagine when he walked back. Did you get an issue? What? What's that? <laughs> assurance? Check this out. Come on, some of us have got to start, stop going out there and being limited what, what people say and do around us. We've got to stop being limited. And, and the, the, the devil's saying, come on, you just need to stay comfortable. You, you can't, you're not a person who could bring back a head. You don't need bring back assurance. No, you have been called to bring back heads of giants. Hallelujah. Come on, do you believe that today, church? 
God has called. I want to just encourage you finally as I come to close. That God has a plan for your life. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. Come on. Isn't that great? Every day was written for you. He has not lost his journey with you. He's with you always. He's watching over you. And there's people right now, you're discouraged. But I want to encourage you right now that God is with you. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. I'm going to come to close. I'm I'm slightly over my time. I've tried to, to stick to my time. But are we okay just to pray for a few people right now? Is that okay? Come on, let's just close our eyes just for a moment. Just invite Holy Spirit to come. If someone could just help on the music.